You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Hello, welcome to the Oz Network for the beginning of our one and only summer television recap coverage that we're going to have, uh, not including Lost, Nip Tuck, or the other show that Ben covers, Third Watch. Uh, the only one we're going to be covering to you live every single week to week. Uh, four or five days after the fact, as you're hearing now, maybe a week and four or five days after the fact. We're here to talk about the premiere of The Amazing Race Canada Season 6, now officially known as The Amazing Race Canada Heroes Edition, uh, which uh, we unfortunately weren't able to come up with the timing for the premiere episode. So we're going to talk about the first two episodes here. And uh, last season, I guess that was the first one we covered here on the Oz Network, but we used to have lots of uh, Amazing Race coverage back in the old Survivor Oz, a.k.a. Amazing Race Oz days. And uh, we're going to add to our panel this year by adding one of our other contributors. And again, uh, I'm going to be the sole Canadian. I'm outnumbered uh, on this podcast as a lone Canadian. So before we even get to the regular coaster you're used to, let's welcome back to the show, as he's been a guest on a couple of Amazing Race episodes we've done, several Survivor episodes we've done, this will probably be the first time he joins us for an entire season of coverage. Jared Lubick, you're here to talk about The Amazing Race for an entire season. Thank you for joining us. That's all right. It's good to be here. You're the only Canadian and the only hero on this podcast. <laughs> and Rossi, as the only villain on this podcast, thank you for coming back. Hey, I'm not, I'm not a villain. I'm here to stand up against bullying and child harm. <laughs> I'm a hero. This is. I also cheer, but that's another thing. <laughs> yeah, this before we even get into the show, which I mean, I enjoyed it for the most part, and both of these episodes. Um, it, it's funny that this heroes edition thing. I mean, these seems to be pretty well received here in Canada, but I don't know. <laughs> There's definitely some more questionable things here. I mean, when I heard they're going to do heroes edition. I wasn't sure what it was going to be. It was going to be all stunt casting. And then when I actually saw them announce the cast, I mean, I think, Rossi, you were originally asking, like, we're going to do Amazing Race Canada. And I wasn't 100% sure if uh, I'd have the time to commit to it for the whole summer. And then as soon as I saw the very first uh, cast they announced, which was my profile pick right now, uh, Olympic bronze medalist in the skeleton, Melissa Hollingsworth, uh, two-time Olympian, the female John Montgomery here in Canada. I'm like, okay, we're definitely covering this now. And then I saw the rest of the casting. I'm like, okay, this is a cool idea. I mean, you get, you know, I, the types of characters you would normally get, like um, maybe a, a blue-collar, white-collar show. Like you're being divided, not divided in this case, but you're being grouped together based on anything that can fit the hero title. So we got uh, lawyers on here. <laughs> they're, they're heroes. We have volunteers. Uh, we have cheerleaders. <laughs> that makes them heroes. We have barrel rollers. <laughs> And uh, absolutely, I mean, my favorite here uh, has to be the cheerleaders. <laughs> That's, nothing says hero like Toronto Argonauts cheerleaders. Uh, but just quickly give some opinions on what you're thinking about this uh, theme for the season. Is it uh, a little too early to be jumping into not stunt casting, but theme casting for Amazing Race Canada? Uh, Jared, what did you think when you first heard about what this season was going to be? Uh, well, when I first heard the theme, I actually thought that it was going to be like an all-star edition without seeing the cast, and I was so excited that we were going to get to see the heroic um, Simeon Opie yeah. back. Um, thank, thank goodness we got to see them in in that kind of montage at the start of the first episode. Um, 
but then yeah i like it's it's fine it's okay i think it's a bit redundant i mean all canadians are polite and heroes so they could have called it the amazing race canada canadians um <laughs> so yeah i'm i'm like i'm fine with it but i just don't think it's really needed i've kind of stretched it a bit to kind of fit everybody into this mold rossi what do you think um the concept of it was like the heroes thing i was like this is something that only would work in canada <laughs> because every season of the show has been Canada is so great and here's the reasons we're going to show you why these people are great this is great this is great this is great and then they're like oh we got to do a heroes edition so I was like this is something so Canada like I can't see Mm -hmm. Americans ever doing this like you'd have cops or (laughs) law patrol or whatever and it would just not work out so I'm not against it I think it could be fun like I think that the cast is pretty I mean stock standard kind of Amazing Race Canada casting types are here. So I'm not against the twist because it's essentially the same kinds of people we would get normally with just a little bit of annoying confessionals of saying, well, as a hero, yeah. I like to do this. And as a hustler, I like to do this. Like, <laughs> I mean, I agree. This is basically what we get with every Amazing Race Canada season. Like, Maybe it is a Canadian thing. Like, I don't think... I don't think Canadians have that perception of us being polite because we hear about how we talk about everybody else behind their back. <laughs> I think I've said that on other podcasts. But the idea of Canadians just being, I guess, maybe compared to other countries, we are polite or whatever. But it does fit the other seasons, like you said, which is why I think that so far on these first two episodes, it's not feeling like a theme season to me, which is why it's almost annoying that they keep referring to it even on air as the very first ever Amazing Race Canada Heroes edition, like as if this is a spin-off show or something. It's like, it is just the Amazing Race Canada. Uh, but also, I mean, some of these things, I, I mean, and again, this is no knock against it. I mean, but if being a hero means you volunteer at a food bank, I mean, uh, how could I get on the Amazing Race Canada Heroes editions? Like, you know, uh, Colin and Jamie, taxpayers, aka heroes. Like, if simply doing something good, like paying your taxes or showing up to work, perfect attendance at work, like that makes me a hero in Canada. Apparently, I don't know. I mean, is there anything you can think of, Jared, that would you could, if you were be pigeonholed into a season like this, like how would they be labeling Jared on the Amazing Race Canada? Oh, um. Probably, yeah, like, Jared Lubeck eats his vegetables. <laughs> Rossi, do you have one? Rossi's that much of a villain that he's got nothing. Dead silence. <laughs> Let's move past Rossi since he's very much objecting to being a hero here. Um, <laughs> so, the cast, I mean, I can already tell who's your favorite. Like, before before we even jump into... We're not going to have time to cover everybody here. We've got two episodes to talk about or whatever. But uh, just a few standouts, you know, from that opening montage. Uh, I, I'm definitely on board with you, Jared, from what I'm assuming. Uh, Martina and Phil, they're, they're the stars of this whole season, uh, particularly Martina. Uh, also, I, I love the opening. Like, I'm, I'm so sad they went the first episode, but Happy and Chewy... I mean, anybody who in their opening confessional gives each other a high five and then pauses and goes, that really hurts. <laughs> I love that they keep those things in the show. Uh, any other standouts for you, uh, Jared? Uh, apart from those two, not really. I've come around to originally, like, kind of looking at the cast, I was annoyed about Nancy and Melissa and wasn't kind of really feeling the vibe. And still, like, it does annoy me with the whole 
we've only known each other for uh, one hour or whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, which they bring up constantly, but I think they've actually been um, quite fun. And I love that we have another barrel racer on reality TV because that just seems to be this random trend where the barrel racing community is so <laughs> overrepresented when it comes to reality TV. Now we've got them on The Amazing Race Canada. We had them on Australian Survivor. We had them on US Survivor. I mean, I'm thinking of taking up the sport just so I can get on the show. Yeah, that's the surefire way to land yourself on a reality show. Uh, Rossi, uh, you got to play catch up here. So uh, we've talked about Chewy and Happy, uh, Martina and Phil, Nancy and Melissa. Any standouts like uh, just from the early opening montage for you or even preseason stuff? And plus, how are you going to be able to be pigeonholed into a Heroes edition of Amazing Race? I mean, I'm a pot- I do podcasts. I'm a, already a saint in the world. A podcasting saint, Anthony Rossi. <laughs> I bring the world drag race podcast. Yeah. <laughs> How much better can I get? Um, but Martina is perfect. I am dreading the day they get eliminated because it will happen. The day we lose her is the saddest day ever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and no one really stood out. I really am not a fan of Happy and Chewy, and I'm, oh. I'm kind of glad they're on. And then it it only got worse when they were like, you look like Adam Sandler. And I was like, oh, that's probably another <laughs> reason why I don't like them. You're like, now I know why they're rubbing me the wrong way. I, I was just saying I, I love like their, their ouch high five at the beginning. And um, I think with a lot of these teams, I'm kind of with you even just on Nancy and Melissa, Jared, because I mean, I did say the whole reason I want to cover this is because, hey, we got, you know, one of my favorite Olympians of that era uh, on The Amazing Race. But in a weird way, like when I heard them say, oh, we've only known each other, we've only met each other a couple of times, and here you're a team on the Amazing Race Canada, uh, it was a little bit annoying to me. But now that kind of being their gimmick is what has turned me around a little bit on them. I still don't think they're the most entertaining team. The same with uh, uh, any of the six teams with uh, a Courtney on it. I'm not quite 100% sold on yet. But, uh, I mean, Todd and Anna, too, that's another one. Uh, you know, the, it's an interesting story. Now, again, I like that they're kind of playing against the type here. Uh, not that it was scripted or anything, but uh, you expect Todd, you know, to, as this guy who you know went through so many surgeries and illnesses and everything uh, growing up, that he would be the one where, you know, on these physical challenges, he's like, oh, I'm struggling. You know, I spent half my life in a hospital bed. But this guy's like a beast. I mean, it's just something I didn't expect out of him. So... Uh, same thing with Leanne and Mar. I'm going to have some fun with them throughout this episode as well. Uh, but uh, let's jump into it here. Oh, one other thing I want to comment on. I have I take a bit of an issue with the first responders. So which which Courtney was it? Was the first responder Courtney and the the tall guy? Um, the, Adam. The, yeah, Adam. Adam and Courtney. Okay, so a first responder. I understand a paramedic, a firefighter, a police officer. Is a nurse a first responder? Like, you go through, I mean, second or third response by the time you eventually get to a nurse. So I don't, I just, it seems weird to me that they're referred to as first responders, but that's just a minor issue here. Um, let's talk a little bit about the opening challenge and some of the little bits here. So they end up, we get our car sponsorship right away. Uh, they get to drive their cars onto a ferry, which was amazing for half the teams. You actually get to pull a car onto a ferry? Like, I think that's the only way you go on ferries. I don't know. Uh, the car literally goes on the ferry. This is so cool. Uh, and, um, 
the the gondola. Okay, so I guess the entire first episode here, we'll cover the whole first episode in one shot. But I mean, this is your traditional Amazing Race Canada episode one. It's incredible scenery and it's some type of insane stunt. Uh, you know, the gondola and everything and uh, having to jump up to get the beaver. So um, we'll cover everything up to that challenge here, I guess. So anything else you want to talk about on the opening. Uh, but I don't know. I kind of loved this idea of it's not just, hey, we need you to uh, bungee jump off of a bridge or a mountain or we need you to skydive, which was normally get. They're actually giving them a challenge right away. And I love that, uh, especially for... Uh, who was the first one that went here? Um, I can't remember. Whoever the first team that went was, you know, you, you see them jump off. And it's literally they just jump trying to grab this beaver and just fall into this abyss. And a lot of teams got after that. But I like that there was actually an element of a challenge to this where it's like, you may miss this. And then you have to go again and again. My issue with this, and it's something that will come up uh, throughout other challenges on here, is them doing these fear challenges, we're so used to, having that breakdown in the amazing race where one person's like, I'm terrified of heights or whatever. Maybe because this is the hero's edition, everybody's so heroic. Like it didn't bother anybody. So I think it kind of drains some of the, um, some of the intensity out of the episode for me. But, uh, Jared, anything, uh, you want to comment on the early stage of this episode? Uh, no, I just, I think I agree. I think, uh, having kind of the same, he may have possibly played into no no breakdown at the challenge. It didn't interest me with the whole uh, grabbing like the beaver on the way down. On um, the fact that like the distance seemed to change, um, mm. which I suppose was fair considering height. But some of them, it just seemed like it was purposely way too far away that they were never going to get it. So I don't know. And that, there was probably a reason behind it, and it probably was fair. But just the way that it was shot, sometimes it was like this looks like there's no way that they're going to be able to get it. Um, but no, I thought it was a really good opening challenge. Rossi? Just before I um, talk about the challenge, there was one thing that in like talking about the teams that got brought up that I thought was really kind of rude. Um, in talking about Melissa, her being the medalist, they were talking about her you know, getting the bronze medalist and whatever. And then like two seconds later, they were like, John Montgomery has had a gold yeah. like, underneath, like with a title prompt, and I was like, "Man, they're really trying to sell her down." Like, well, they could not give her any good positives. I, and again, I guess just along those lines, I mean, having seen the the coverage, especially for the Vancouver Olympics, which were such a big deal, you know, Melissa she won her bronze in Torino in 2006, 2010. It's in Canada. It was the biggest deal, and John Montgomery was probably one of the big winners like especially one of the ones where people were talking about him so much just because of how much energy he had and melissa hollingsworth was i guess with her with her first couple runs she looked like she was in line to possibly win a gold as well so there was all this excitement of you know we're gonna have two golds and then it ends up like john takes a gold and melissa ends up in fifth and there was so much anticipation so in a way, it's even a little bit more of a slap in the face because she kind of lived through that in in uh, Vancouver already in 2010. I thought it was too funny that they did that to her, but obviously there's a lot of history with her and John. And and just in terms of the challenge, I thought that it was a little unfair just because what Jared was saying, it seemed like nothing was consistent. Like if you were shorter, you had no hope, mm. and if you were really tall, you maybe had a lot of a better shot. And it didn't seem to get easier as you did it the second time which is something they usually do so i just thought it was a little weird i'm okay with the 
height challenges. I do think it loses a bit of the hero stuff, but nothing will ever top last season seeing Deb tightrope in a suit. Yeah. <laughs> the Canada 150 challenges. Oh, how we missed that. Uh, along those lines, I mean, Jared, you you eventually watched the last, like, season five of Amazing Race Canada? No. Oh, okay. And that, actually, that was an issue with, like, with watching this at the start. They just do the montage of, like, all the winners of every season. I'm like, okay, like, I'm sure I'll forget about that in a week or two. But, like, I was just so, like, annoyed when I'm seeing, like, all these teams winning. And, like, haven't seen that season, haven't seen that season. Oh, Gino and Jesse haven't seen that season, <laughs> haven't seen that season. <laughs> Do you get the same thing, like, if you fall a few seasons behind on Survivor and all of a sudden you see a flash of Danny winning Guatemala, like, he's just go <laughs> raging on it? Yeah, I think uh, flashbacks are only for moments of teams, like, choking and not being able to do stuff, like, Simi and Opie, more flashbacks from them being like, I, I can't do anything. Yeah. <laughs> um. Well, with the last season, they had this, like, poll thing. So as you're watching it live pretty much every minute or so there's a poll coming up on the screen that if you're watching live on the app you can vote in these polls and i didn't get a chance to watch it live throughout the entire season but we would always make fun of some of these polls which are just like really dumb questions like i think my favorite one was you know would you rather go on a vacation to uh you know a, an island or um uh Nipua, manitoba <laughs> the bahamas or uh, Sudbury, Ontario. And it's like, it was clearly like 90% voting for one thing. So like in the final episode, I did get to watch it live and I just messed with it. And people need to go back and listen to the full story on our Amazing Race Canada Season 5 finale podcast we did. Where the very final poll that came up on screen was which team is going to win the Amazing Race Canada and they gave you unlimited voting. So I voted, like, uh, going mad as many times as I could over the course of 60 <laughs> seconds for the team that was very clearly in last place. So all of a sudden it came out as the winning team with, like, 70% of the vote <laughs> was the one that was clearly losing. And I just, I, I was hoping they brought that back, but I think maybe because of us partly, <laughs> they realized the error in their polls last year and they didn't bring it back, which was sad. Uh, what they did bring back was a countdown, which I'm, you know, guessing you guys didn't see, but uh, there's like a 60 second commercial break uh, early in this episode where it actually comes up and says, um, you know, uh, come back for more Amazing Race Canada after this 60 second commercial for Chevrolet. And then it goes like they tell you this is a 60 second commercial for our sponsor Chevrolet and they cut to a 60 second commercial and there's a countdown for when the thing comes back on, which was kind of cool. But I guess that's the closest thing to anything that's interactive throughout this uh, but I, I want the polls back. We got to come up with our polls each week or something. Uh, let's just do polls for bringing polls back. Anything. Uh, <laughs> okay. So this first challenge, I mean, I thought it was fun. The visual was great. Now, another slight problem I have, other than the fact that the heroes don't really respond to anything being scary or intense, uh, is the fact that we have three challenges in this episode, and I feel like each one gets progressively less challenging and less interesting. Uh, now, I actually thought the second one would have been more challenging. Like the one where they have to, the, the second one block where they have to climb that tree or shimmy up this tree to get the the clue. And again, maybe just because we had so many extremely physically fit people and Martina, it, it, we didn't really get a lot of reactions. <laughs> but 
and maybe it's just because there's not a lot to a person climbing, but to me that looked like, well, this is how is anybody going to be able to complete this? But it didn't really have the appeal of somebody jumping, you know, into a canyon or whatever they did in the last one. Uh, but still, I love it. I can't remember who it was that says I got so many slivers in my crotch. That was a great line. Uh, this is where Martina becomes the star of the season. Physical challenges are intimidating because I'm not really fit. The ones I'll be good at are baking and sewing. <laughs> she mimes her actions to what she's doing. So she's beating eggs when she says baking and she's doing some type of sewing motion. She's like, and sewing? <laughs> she's speaking to children. This woman is like a star if I have ever seen one and the least likely person like when they first started this and when she was saying this I'm thinking to myself oh I know which one they clearly cast for the season I'm thinking Phil because you're not going to cast you know a woman like this unless the guy you wanted who would be your hero would you know only do this if you brought her along but the, the more this progresses I'm like they totally wanted her because she's just the exact opposite of everything you think is a hero uh, she made this second challenge for me. Uh, we'll, we'll save the last challenge. If you guys want to talk about Martina here, uh, well, let's just group the last challenge in here as well, I guess. Uh, not because I really have nothing to talk on it. So this is where each challenge kind of gets less and less interesting because we go from this incredible dive uh, you know, off of uh, uh, well, diving for the beaver, but incredible scenery and this stunning stunt. And then you get this insanely physical climb up a tree and then they look for crabs while paddling, belly paddling on surfboards. Uh, each challenge was less interesting and less challenging. Really don't have anything to talk about on the, the belly paddle one here. But if you guys do, uh, by all means. Um, I don't know. I, I, I liked the tree climbing one. It's just I didn't think that... Maybe they should have done these backwards. They should have done the paddling one as the first challenge. The climbing is the second. And then the incredible stunt uh, over this canyon is the third. I should have probably asked somebody to speak. <laughs> Jared, do you have an opinion? Um, yeah, I agree. I think it, it could have been done in a different order. My favorite line from Martina that, like, it's not even funny, but just in my head, she's like, do it for Phil. And in my head, I'm like, Who's Phil? I'm like, she's she's talking about like the the amazing race. She's talking about Phil Keegan. I'm like, I'm like she's a super fan. She, this is the amazing race Canada. What are you doing? Do it do it for John. What are you doing? Um, I didn't even I, catch I that. Figured that, that. That Phil was uh, Phil is obviously the name of her brother. Uh, he's on the race with her. So um, that was a great moment. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think. Phil. <laughs> the the paddling on the boards as much as it was boring to watch uh it was probably the most interesting in terms of like lead changes and and like the order being yeah. mixed up so for for such a boring challenge at least it kind of had that feature because that was something that was probably i mean we saw like a couple of lead changes with like the beaver jump just because you did have to wait in line but like the lead didn't change so much throughout the episode so it was good that uh, for the crab challenge, at least, kind of teams were having to go back and things were getting mixed up and everybody was kind of bunching together. So that was probably the one positive of it. Rossi? Yeah, I co-signed that the last challenge was probably the most boring. Uh, but it did give us that five-team foot race at the end, which I thought was really cool. Um, yeah, and Martina is a star. Why was she not on season one is kind of the thing <laughs> I want to know. I just... 
I loved her. I thought that challenge was actually surprisingly good. Like I thought that was the best because at least it gave us some sort of interesting stuff. I feel like just jumping wasn't too, too much. At least it gave a challenge. And I forget who said it, but someone was saying like, I'm Mulan as they were climbing up the post. And I just thought that was perfect. And I think what I loved most about the episode was the fact that there was a lot of people switching positions. Like the team that I think it was Chewie and Happy got to the first challenge first. Yeah. And then they are eliminated in this episode. Like I think that stuff is what makes really interesting episodes. We don't often get it on a modern Amazing Race season. So to see that on episode one where there's three challenges was really interesting to see. And like Dylan and Kwame, I don't know how they moved up either. Cause I feel like they were completely in the back and then all of a sudden out of nowhere, they're like their fourth place. And I'm like, what just happened here? Uh, another one I want to talk about just in the, the jumping challenge was uh, our first responders here who are like, I'm sure everybody knows this, a couple who is just way too physically affectionate to each other. And like an uncomfortable level, because there's a moment here where Adam and Courtney are just like full on sucking each other's faces into the back of their throat. <laughs> and it goes on for like 10 minutes of this episode, I swear. And I, I kind of have a feeling that they're going to be like that really mushy couple, which is just becomes nauseating, but you know, in, in kind of a fun way. Uh, but uh, we won't go through all There were this. another team that got the. Like, there were five teams that got the, we're in last place, we're going to go home this leg. Yeah. Like, edit. Like, Dylan and Kwame got it. They got it. Um, Martina and Phil got it. Like, everyone got that edit. And I was like, what is going on? And like and it made it really suspenseful. And, and just like you said, I mean, at one point we had three teams checking in at the exact same time. And it's pretty, I mean, every once in a while you'll get like two teams racing, but I mean, this is three teams. And I can think there was the one, um, I don't remember if it was within the last year. So either the last Amazing Race Canada or the last Amazing Race US, where we had like four or five teams all at once. It was the proposal episode of Amazing Race US. That's right. And that was probably the closest I've ever seen, but this is right up there as well. Uh, and it, it, this something in the next episode which i had a little bit of uh, uh an issue with because i think that there's ways you can do this in editing and there's ways where it obviously just has to happen on its own uh but the only team we'll cover right here because we do have to talk about the second episode still uh is chewy and happy uh rossi i'll kind of let you go first here because you said you didn't really like chewy and happy is there anything specific that rubbed you the wrong way i kind of thought they were a fun team i, I wish that they hadn't gone first although when you look at them in this race, especially when you look at, I think it was Chewy. Which one was the really slow runner here? Uh, yeah, Chewy. Yeah, Chewy. Uh, which I, I love that he gave his Wookiee. We got to hear why he's called Chewy because he gives a Wookiee scream in this episode. Uh, I, there, I think they could have been so much fun throughout this, uh, but there was no way they were going to last very long. But uh, Rossi, anything specific you want to talk about with Chewy and Happy? Totally. Side note: I completely forgot to mention this. I love that we're watching Amazing Race Canada because John is doing the challenges again. Yes. We get to see someone do the challenges. And I was like so happy to see him jump to get the beaver. Anyway, um, the reason, I don't know. I just didn't fall in love with them. I found Happy's voice really annoying and their accent was a little grating. Um, I don't know. I just didn't really fall in love with them. And they didn't get as much of an edit for a first eliminated team that I expected. I don't know. I just was not digging their story, and they they just kind of fell fell flat for me. 
Um, <laughs> let's get to our predictions on this. One of us has really nailed it this week. Uh, we're going to split the point because Rossi and I both picked Chewy and Happy in eighth place. So neither of us had a lot of hope in them. Uh, we'll go through a quick rundown of all of our predictions at the end of this. But Jared, <laughs> you can group in your reasoning here. You had Chewy and Happy making the finals preseason picks. Uh, please explain and then tell us any uh, parting words for Chewy and Happy that you have. I don't know. They were just meant to be good. They're retired pilots compared to like <laughs> some of the other teams. I don't know. It's just, it made sense. And this was just like the worst, those five teams who are in a foot race, like four of them were in my top, sorry, three of them were in my top four. I'm like, what is happening here? Like all the teams I think are going to go good are like doing bad. So like losing them is terrible because I think that they were a fun team, but um. I mean, I have Courtney and Adam at, like, number one, which is I'm regretting now. But um, I honestly thought I was going to lose the team that had place first. So um, probably, like, the lesser of uh, two evils in this case, losing them. Yeah. I'm curious, Jared, since you and I are in the same boat, what? how much did you see preseason? Because I saw one or, like, two YouTube videos where this news anchor was interviewing them. Like, I saw nothing. I think I saw the same thing. Like, the teams were on, like, some, like, morning show or something. I don't know. That, that's all I really saw from them. And it was just, like, their names and, like, their professions and them talking to, like, some random host lady. Um, so, yeah, that was all the input I had. And then, obviously, I need to go off more next time. I mean, the descriptions should tell you everything. Like you said, friends and retired Air Force pilots. I mean, I would have thought retired means these are the old guys on the race. Uh, but I mean, Air Force, you know, Top Gun, maybe <laughs> we should run through. I mean, we, we have a lot of professions here that I don't think we have seen much of on the show, like Navy sailors for like Zineb and, and Monica, other than the opening credits, has this become a thing? I mean, for a lot of these other teams, they're making it a big deal with them. But so, I, I think if you're going to push this hero's edition so much that you're going to rename the title of the show, and branded as if this is a brand new show, like the first edition or the first ever Amazing Race Canada Heroes edition, as if you got more of these planned. Like, make it part of the show. This is kind of like the complaint with Ghost Island, where they're like, we're going to make everything about Ghost Island, Ghost Island, Ghost Island. And then three weeks in a row, you pre-plan it so nobody gets to do a challenge on Ghost Island. Like, what are you doing? I don't know if they're really selling it as much as they could. Having said that, I think it can also get quite annoying, maybe, if we have to keep hearing every single week. You know, uh, yeah. as Mounties, uh, we feel we're good at climbing trees because of this. And, uh, you know, I roll on wooden uh, logs, so I feel climbing a log, <laughs> I have a distinct advantage. Uh, yeah, that can get probably a little bit, but I don't know. It's just, it's two episodes in, I shouldn't be complaining too much, but moving on to... Episode- I'd rather them undersell it than oversell it well no they have to go the whole way like i want like heroes dilemmas of feed the homeless person or continue on the race yeah (laughs) and like recreating like heroic moments from like film and stuff that they have to do like um i don't even know save uh all these 101 dalmatians from the evil lady (laughs) who's trying to skin them Yeah, we have to. Yeah, let's go full cheese on this because one thing that I actually really liked, and I hope that they can continue this somehow next week, uh, was the parting words for Chewy and Happy, where John is like going almost sappy. He's like, "We all as a country owe you a debt of gratitude." I'm like, 
Okay, so these guys are Air Force pilots, but, like, have they flown in battle? I mean, there's a lot of people in the military who really just show up for work and dress themselves and wait around for a war to happen. I'm not knocking. Maybe they have. But is this, we all owe you a debt of gratitude? Like, are we going to be doing this when Leanne and Mara are eventually eliminated? I mean, <laughs> granted, they cheered the Toronto Argonauts to the Grey Cup last year, but <laughs> we all as a country owe these cheerleaders a debt of gratitude. And uh, uh, you guys who coach kids football, we all as a country owe you a debt of gratitude. Let's let's find a way to make all these people as heroic as they could be. I'm with Jared there. Uh, second episode, off Fiddler's Fart, which... I'm going to call it right now. This is the first time that fart has ever been used in a title of either Amazing Race or Survivor, at least as far as I know, unless there's a correction out there for me. Rossi, has fart ever appeared in Amazing Race or Survivor before? I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to call it here. This is an Oz Network first. The first ever fart title of an episode. Uh, so they get to go to Yukon, which... I mean, we've pretty much been everywhere in Canada. I guess this is the one thing that was a major complaint when they announced the Amazing Race Canada, like now five, six years ago, was when they said, we're not going to be leaving Canada. And even the second season, we're not going to leave Canada very much. I don't know how it's really perceived for you guys watching, you know, and not having lived here, if, if these locations are a little bit more interesting. But I think that they have a good balance where they're going to places like there's only a dozen different provinces or whatever, but they're finding different things to see. And this Yukon episode, I think is the perfect example because they're not just going to the Yukon. They're going to, you know, basically this, this, uh, old pioneer city. That's, that's kind of just been maintained almost as in like, uh, you know, a, a real, uh, town living town museum. Uh, what was it? Dawson city or Dawson's Creek or something like that. But this uh, mining town, from it's, it's like going into Westworld or something. Uh, but Rossi, Jared, I guess Jared first, uh, since you live a little bit further away, when you're watching them going across Canada, does it kind of lose the appeal where you're not feeling like you're getting a, you know, a, a very cultured show like you would if they were going all over the world? Or are you seeing enough interesting things where it doesn't bother you that they're just staying in Canada? Uh, I think for me, like the cast and the challenges are good enough for it not to be an issue i think if you have uh if you had like a bad season it was only in the one place it would be even worse uh and by the same token if you had generally like a boring cast and maybe boring challenges but they are traveling to other places it kind of uplifts it a bit mm-hmm. um so for me like it, it still feels fresh it doesn't feel stale um no i think i think at the moment it's working like it's it'll be interesting to see if that changes or not. I mean, I've only watched two seasons, so it's probably less of an issue for me as maybe people who've watched them all. Um, but I think at the moment it's fine. It's working well. Rossi, what about you? I mean, you, I guess, had to live through Amazing Race Canada Family Edition where <laughs> they just traveled around one country all the time. Uh, do you think, especially with this Yukon, but even in the other ones, that it's noticeable that they're not leaving Canada? Because I think it feels to me like there would be a different perception if you're not Canadian, there definitely is a difference because I have no idea where any of these provinces are. Where's what's on the east, west coast? What's really north? What's closer to the United States? I, I really don't know. Um, and when I remember watching the first season where they didn't leave the country at all, it wasn't boring at all. And I think it's because of the challenges and the people that they have and everything. So kind of what Jared says, I agree. It doesn't matter too much. It would be 
a little bit nicer to be like, oh, China, I've never been there. So like, show me something in China I've never seen. But it's still the same thing. I'm, you know, I've never been to the Yukon. I've never been to this ghost town that they went to. So obviously it was interesting to see. Um, Maybe don't go to too desolate a location because this seemed a bit dry because there was like no human interaction. Mm-hmm. It was just the team. So I was like a little put off by that. But otherwise, I mean, I don't care too much. I hope that they do leave Canada. Uh, it's not complaining. I mean, I'm sure they're going to because every other season, I think they they do at least two trips overseas. Um, but the way that they sold this from the beginning, even when people were doubtful with season one, as I said, you know, Canada's like this massive country, and there's so much that even people in Canada have never seen. I and mean, it's true. I mean, I've never gone any further north than maybe two hours from Winnipeg, and Winnipeg is probably closer to the U.S. border than uh, than it is any of these places. Like. If I drove two hours north, that would take me longer than it would take me to get to the U.S. border. So uh, most Canadians kind of just live right along those major cities, which are close to the border. Uh, but I, I personally think that we probably get more out of this than we would Amazing Race Canada Family Edition. And it is partly not just the challenge or not just the locations, but like the challenges, like you said. But in this episode, this is one of the reasons I wanted to bring this up, because I felt like the location was pretty much the only thing going for the second episode. Uh, because I don't know if they found a lot of great things to do with challenges. And I think the challenges were interesting because they fit the theme of where they were, that it's kind of this this theme ghost town, like you said, Rossi. But, I mean, is this the second or third season in a row where we've had set up a tent as a challenge? <laughs> it's just, I don't know how many times I can see this. And I get that it's product placement. you got to put it in there. By the way, along the lines of product placement, did you guys notice that they now have the CTV logo on the Amazing Race Clues? Which, it feels weird that you're advertising your network on your network. Um, I, I just, I couldn't oh. imagine watching Survivor and seeing the CBS logo on a tribe flag or even the Amazing Race US and the Clues have a big CBS logo on it. That was just very distracting for me. Uh, but I mean, a campsite setup. Uh, I didn't even mind it when I they was... did this last, because I think it was in episode two last year as well, Rossi, we talked about that that they're just setting up a campsite, but having to pick apart the differences. What season five had from memory was you had to study a campsite and then you have to look at a different one and say, well, what's missing with this? They're just setting up a tent and it's just, there didn't seem to be anything interesting going on. Um, the oh, one thing we have to talk about here, Martina. Now, <laughs> because she's so physically unfit, <laughs> she can't haul a backpack. This is brilliant. <laughs> And Jamie didn't get a chance to watch this one with me, but I told her about it this afternoon. She was like, oh, well, how is the Amazing Race? And I'm like, well, I mean, some it's hit and miss, but there's one team which is amazing. I was describing Martina, and Jamie basically says, she sounds exactly like me. <laughs> not that Jamie's unfit to do these things, but Jamie like, loves to brag on the fact that she, if she was on Amazing Race, she'd be way too lazy to do any of these things. So when I told her, like, this one girl, she said, oh, it's too hard for me to run carrying a backpack. So we got rid of half of her stuff. We put everything in one bag, and Phil does all the work. Jamie looked at it as, as, I would totally make you do that. I'm making you carry my backpack the whole time. Uh, I just love this. Uh, going around, though, looking for the uh, gold coins. This is another thing I think maybe sounded good on paper, but didn't play out so well on screen. Uh, I like that they had the three express passes, which... I, I totally lost track. There was so much going on in this episode to see whether more than one team even got the Express Pass, so you guys will have to fill me in on that. But, I don't know, I think there was too many locations going around, you know, following your GPS. Now, 
you're doing a theme challenge that's in this, you know, 19 or 1800s, late 1800s, early 1900s gold mining in the Yukon. And you're using GPS, which just didn't make sense to me how it fits into the challenge. But it's just there were like a dozen different locations to go to. So you didn't really get to see much. And they would just ask, hey, do you have something for me? And the person would either give them something or not give them something. I wasn't really crazy about this. So, uh, uh, Jared, anything you want to talk about on the, the first challenge here and the Yukon location we get? Yeah, I didn't think it was great. I think um, I agree. Maybe like the use of GPS was a bit weird in this and rather maybe it should have been a map and i think the teams that like hopped in cars like it was smart but to me it kind of ruined uh the challenge in the way because i'm like this is stupid they're just driving from location to location Mm. um i think yeah i think the only thing that made this challenge work was the express passes i think if you didn't have that it would have been completely boring and terrible but the fact that they had that um I think made it work and I think the placement of the express passes was really cool too I love the whole um, post office scene with like the post boxes and then like the Mm -hmm. first team found and then then, uh, Kwame and um, Dylan were just there forever because they just kept looking and were convinced (laughs) that something was there which it was but obviously like they should have left that sooner Uh, and then I did like also the um, cheerleaders how their express pass was like halfway up a mountain I thought that was cool because it did seem it was like are they like going Going the wrong ways or even anything up there so i think that was good that there was a payoff uh, for having traveled to travel that far together now how many express passes did get handed out in this one uh so there was three and they went to three different teams so i thought that was good as well okay so there were the three fact, yeah that it was possible for like a team to get more than one i think could have really ruined the race later on but now it's just um Bauer race a favorite Nancy and Melissa uh, Todd and Anna and uh, cheerleaders Leanne and Ma have the express passes Rossi what do you think about the three express pass and uh, you know the opening challenge here or the location quickly on the tent thing I was like waiting for John to show up and be like all right now we're gonna do a partner swap because <laughs> <laughs> that's what we got last season that we talked about um, or didn't talk about I don't remember we talked about that season. <laughs> no we talked about it <laughs> um and then for the challenge about the coins i was really confused frustrated because i was all about the express like in i think it was 25 one of the first seasons we talked about they had that express fest where you had to go out of your way to get it like it was not on the main challenge route you had to go to the, out of the way to get it and then continue with the race and I thought this was going to be the same thing. And it didn't seem like that because, like, it seemed that it was automatically programmed that some people would get it on their GPS, some people wouldn't. Mm. And I was really confused. I was like, I want it to be, like, an extra challenge. Not like, oh, I'm going to get milk and on the way, oh, there's the express pass and let me grab it. Like, make it a different challenge. And it was seemed weird that Lee and Amar were the only ones who got pinged to go all the way up the mountain, but not mm. everyone else. So I was just really confused on the mechanics of it all. And I was getting weird flashbacks of Charla and Myrna with that weird-ass GPS that looked like from the OG <laughs> seasons of the race. I just thought it was so outdated. And they're like, they're, I guess they're trying to sell the time period of the location, but it was just mm-hmm. like a little bit of a letdown. Uh, just along with what Jared said about Dylan and Kwame, I thought that was great too, because... <laughs> 
they're probably looking around for like 15, 20 minutes before it ever occurs. And it's like, maybe not every single one we get something out of. <laughs> maybe some yeah. of these are false locations. I'm pretty sure that was probably underlined on their clue somewhere. Uh, but yeah, these guys are not quick. But this is one of the things I like about Dilling Kwame, uh, just to give a quick comment on them, uh, is the fact that they're that team that should just be dead last every single time. And yet somehow they just they pull, they end up pulling ahead like two episodes in a row where I've had the same reaction like whoa where did Dylan and Kwame come from uh, I think these guys could end up being one of the most competitive teams on the season uh, but with the three express passes see this is the uh, the thing I think there's there's probably always a complaint like with Survivor when you have immunity idols there's always going to be the complaint well if everybody has an immunity idol then you know where's the challenge in this. I definitely get that more for Survivor than I get with something like The Amazing Race. It doesn't actually bother me having three Express Passes out there. Even if we had had a team eliminated this week, we're down to three out of eight teams. In a way, that kind of just makes it that much closer of a race because somebody using Express Pass does not guarantee that they're staying there. If you have three teams who all end up as the bottom three teams and they all have the Express Pass, I mean, that makes for a great TV moment. And that's what I think I'm kind of hoping for out of this especially since we're going with 10 teams this season instead of 11. Uh, it's actually you know uh, a smaller cast than we normally have. So I, I don't know. I like having a lot of express passes out there because I've also just started rewatching season one because I actually found it at a dollar store for like $4, <laughs> which really surprised me. Uh, and it's, it's fun to pay Yeah, <laughs> that's right. They ripped me off false advertising, but, um, I don't know. It's, it's fascinating to always watch old seasons uh, you know, of anything to see how much the show has changed. And it changed a lot. But the one thing that I think all of us can remember you know, from the, those early seasons is uh, especially that, well, I guess that first season was the fast forward being available on every single leg. And like you said, Rossi, you have to go out for it. It's like you could fall behind if you miss this. I think that's what would make this a little bit better. So I will agree with you on that. Uh, it definitely didn't help to have a fast forward on every single leg, but making the fast forward something that the, there's an extra challenge to getting, I think that's a little bit better. But uh, I, I'm interested to see how the three express passes is going to actually work out here, or if it's going to be like Hamilton and Michaela uh, and just completely I mean, squandered. Not to spoil something, but I'm going to spoil something, Jared, about last season. We had a team, I'm not going to say who, but we had a team last season eliminated <laughs> with an express pass. So it's not completely out of the range of possibility to have that happen. Yeah. So I think that could happen. I don't think these teams are that dumb to do that, but it could happen. But I think that's last season is a perfect reason why I think that it's good to have multiple teams with express passes too, because when there's only so many express passes on the race and your first team to get one completely squanders it and... <laughs> it's it's a waste of the audience's time, you know? So I, I'm hopeful that this is going to lead somewhere. Um, the detour, I guess this is a slight improvement over the geocaching challenge, but like dance or ch- change, which I think they probably could, or dance or, dance or chance, uh, autocorrect here on my phone. Um, it fits the theme again. That's what I kind of liked about this. You know, the dancing one, it's kind of like a burlesque show. Uh, and it's always fun to see people having dressed in costumes, but I don't know if any of it was an entertaining. It could have been like we got some good dancing, we got some bad dancing, but some about the editing just didn't dwell on the bad enough. Like we should have had some dun 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 moments or like some some really ridiculous sound effects to illustrate how bad some of this was. 
it just it, I think that the challenge sounded like it would have been a lot more fun than it was. Um, the blackjack challenge again, it wasn't much to watch. It's kind of funny to see some of the people's reactions where they're like, um, "Okay, so four plus two equals six plus ace equals sixteen or seven. I'm not sure." But again, I just don't think that the challenge really worked as a challenge, especially having to have both parties do it. Like, I think that's the other thing. You would have one person, they just breeze through it, and the other person would go, and they're all in costumes, and it's too early in the season to have people in costumes. This is my complaint on RuPaul's Drag Race. I can't tell these people apart when they're changing their look every single week. It was just too much for me. The more I talk about this episode, I'm not that crazy about it. Having said that, I wish I wrote down who this was. Uh, but one of the first ones to do the dancing challenge, uh, where they said, I'm sorry, that wasn't, uh, that wasn't up to standards. And the guy in the team was like, all right, well, how close was it? And the lady just goes, not very close. <laughs> like we normally don't get these judges actually talking back and it's like, that was really bad. I got to be honest with you. Uh, but I guess there's some fun things here. And then Todd, again, just doesn't even matter if it's a physical thing. Todd, where he's like, you know, I'm an e- expert poker blackjack player. You know, I'm, I'm a casino shark. Like, can we just start adding to this man's title? Like, Todd, gambler, athlete, survivor. <laughs> we'll just add something be, new every week. Season. Yeah, we'll have, like, 12 different titles for this guy. Uh, one of them will probably be cheerleader by the end of the season, too. I mean, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Jared, <laughs> am I missing anything in these challenges, or were these kind of lackluster, too? Uh, yeah, I think they were a bit, a little bit lackluster. I think the issue kind of was that um, I suppose we saw a little bit of teams struggling with like the blackjack challenge and having to do it multiple times. But I think having the detours so close together, making it so easy to swap, we didn't really get to see uh, any people really struggle that much with like the dancing challenge because most teams kind of went there, watched it, and then were like, okay, we can't do this. We're going to the other challenge. Yeah. So I think having them so close close um kind of ruined it because we didn't get to see major train wrecks in like the dancing challenge like most people got on like their second or third go so there wasn't an element of them like putting up like 11th attempt and stuff like that um i think the highlight for me i mean it's got to go to a martina again with using her like false accent to remember stuff (laughs) at the table I, I I just thought that was so hilarious, and she's talking so slow and like <laughs> deliberately in like this terrible accent. And what was the I, accent? I, I, Can we identify like, it? Like, what's the region? I didn't even get what her accent was. It's it's really good for your memory to do it in an accent. <laughs> and I'm like, is she just making up a country? Like, what is this accent? I don't even like. I don't know. Like, it sounded kind of like maybe like. Asian, like Chinese or something, but like I, it, I just don't even know. Like it was just <laughs> terrible, but it was so good. I'm like typical, like Martina to come up with like this like ridiculous plan, and then actually works. I just yeah. think it was so good. Rossi, um, I was surprised at how good the chance was. Like not good, like it was amazing, but I thought I thought it was just going to be dull in terms of only being like okay, twenty one is the max. Okay, you you need for that, so I challenging, right? Yeah, well, I just thought the rules of the game were going to be too simple, and it's like mm-hmm. so obvious that everyone skips ahead. But it was like you had to do it in such a specific order that made it really interesting, like the, the chips and the cards and everything, and that was really cool. 
And so I thought that, that it was a lot harder than I expected. So I was glad that it was more challenging than I would have expected going in. And I kind of loved the dance, even though it was so hard that no team did it. But just the fact of dressing up everyone in the same costume <laughs> was great. It reminded me of, um, I forget what season one, but the one with the dating twi- the dating season where they went to Thailand and they all dress up as drag queens for yeah. that challenge. And I was just like, I love when people dress up in ridiculous costumes and seeing Adam and Taylor dress up in these like showgirl costumes was just great. There was something that was too fast in this episode. One of you said the same thing that everything was kind of happening too fast and it was kind of sloppy with the editing. I don't know if it was just too much going on in one episode. I'm going to blame it on the fact that, you know, a, you are switching. So, so many of these teams actually did technically do both, even if it was just briefly, but then having to have both team members do the blackjack one, I, I could not keep track of who was in the lead here. But one thing I actually did find really interesting, and I this obviously ended up being a non-elimination episode, but I kind of wish that it was an elimination because it's not something that we normally see where they could very clearly have just edited this to have been a race. Uh, you know, you have uh, Joseph and Akash who are... Uh, battling it out with Zineb and Monica right at the end, and oh, well, whichever one gets out of here first is surely going to win. And you just would edit it so both teams finish, even if that's not the way it actually happened. You would edit both teams in the cab, you would edit both teams running, and then you just choose which one crosses the finish line first. It was actually kind of refreshing me to watch an episode, and when Joseph and Akash win, you just see this look of dread on like Zineb and Monica's face. And they don't don't even show them finish the challenge. It's like they cut straight to Joseph and Cash cro- crossing, and you just know that they're done, and they eventually come across. And I'm like, this would be a great way to end an episode, even though it makes it obvious they're gone. It was just something different. And then when it turned out to be a nominal elimination, I got why they edited it that way. But just my personal opinion, I would have liked to see a different type of ending. I, I always like the ones where it is obvious who's going home, and they get that very dramatic final moment where they're like, you know, we're going to cross. It's the cool running ending. We're going to cross, even though uh, we have no chance of winning this thing. Uh, but I don't think I really have much else to add on Zineb and Monica, unless either of you do as well. We'll kind of group in their obituary here <laughs> along with uh, the end of the episode. But uh, even though it was an obvious uh, last place, I liked the difference in the editing here. That's the only thing I can really say here because uh, I, I'm still, I mentioned earlier in the episode that I wish they'd play up on the whole sailor thing more. And I just had to look up on Wikipedia here to see what their hero profession was because I forgot from the beginning of this podcast that these two were the Navy ones. So they're a completely forgettable team. Uh, they probably should have been the first ones to go uh, based on our predictions, maybe at least. But uh, Jared, anything else you want to add on these two or uh, the end of the episode here? Uh, not really. I was just annoyed that they didn't went, didn't go home. I was so ready for them to go. I think they're the most boring team kind of left. And I was like, yes, this is perfect. We're getting rid of like the non-interesting team, um, with the Navy skills that just don't really help them. Um, (laughs) but yeah, I mean, they're still there. At least it's a non-elimination leg out of the way. Um, so there's, there's the upside. Rossi. I was a little... I mean, I'm not a fan of their team. Like, they don't really have any kind of personality or anything to show. But I was so confused in 
like the edit of it because they didn't get an edit at all. And I mean, obviously it's because they didn't get eliminated and they're not going to really edit mm-hmm. them super much. But I was just like, can you at least give us something? They're the least edited team and they're probably going to go next week. Mm-hmm. Like, if not Joseph and Akash really just suck at this game. Um, <laughs> but they're probably going to go and they're not getting an edit. I was like, can we at least get something from them? And we weren't. So I'm a little upset with that, even though I don't love them yet. Like, maybe they're great, but like, we're not getting them. So I wish we got more even though they're still staying around. Just quickly looking at our predictions. If they had gone this week, uh, everybody please ignore if they start seeing thumbs down in our chat. Uh, I'm just trying to look up our predictions because I changed computers from where I had them saved, and it's automatically giving thumbs down to everybody's comments because my fingers are sweaty right now. Uh, If this had been the eliminated team, uh, Rossi, you would have nailed it because you had them in ninth place. Uh, We'll go through our full predictions really quickly after this. Uh, Jared, you had them in 10th, so uh, if they go next week, you still have no chance at getting the point. But still, let's Close. look at mine. I had them in 6th place, so I'm pretty optimistic on Zineb and Monica here. Uh, obviously, it was in a non-elimination. In my defense, had, you got a defense. defense. I don't have one. If you have a defense, by all means. No, in your defense, I had put the um, season that the team that got eliminated with the express pass last season far into the, the race. Yeah. <laughs> so, like it's all, it balances out. Yeah. Uh, we'll quickly run down all of our predictions here. Uh, so we'll go 10 to one really quickly. Um, uh, then after we do this, we'll quickly run through all the teams that are left. Jared, you had uh, Zainab and Monica as your 10th place team. Leanne and Mar is nine. Martina and Phil is eight. Nancy and Melissa is seven. Todd and Anna is six, Dylan Kwame five, Joseph and Akash four, Chewy and Happy three, <laughs> Taylor and Courtney two, and Courtney and Adam one. So you just were tossing up between the two Courtneys. Uh, Rossi, you had Martina and Phil ten, Zainab and Monica ninth, Chewy and Happy eight, Leanne and Mar seven, Todd and Anna six, Joseph and Akash five, Nancy and Melissa four, Dylan and Kwame three, Taylor and Courtney two, and Courtney and Adam one. So you're both very much on a Courtney bandwagon here uh and mine i had leanne and mar last todd and anna ninth chewy and happy eighth martina and phil seventh zainab and monica six dilly and kwame five courtney and adam four nancy melissa three joseph and akash two (laughs) and taylor and courtney number one uh let's quickly go through the teams that are left here just any comments you want to add if you can pick up on anything throughout the uh, first two episodes here uh joseph and akash barely holding on here I think they seem like they'd be a really fun team. Uh, I, I always like when you have these teams where they're friends uh, because it means that they're probably going to get on. They're probably going to be really funny on these seasons. Uh, and these guys are basically just volunteers. I mean, that's their hero thing. I'm sure everybody's volunteered for something before. Um, Rossi, have you volunteered for anything? I volunteered to do this now. You're, there we go. <laughs> Podcasting really is your hero thing. Uh, Jared, uh, Joseph Cash, anything to add? Uh, I just think they're a fun team. I like these teams that kind of make obvious mistakes over and over. I think them kind of forgetting the actual tent was um, <laughs> stupid, but um, continuing it was a tent challenge. And then them <laughs> trying to find, like, where are the poles to go? And, like, the fact that it's an inflatable tent and it just kind of took them a while. Um, I mean, I kind of like that they're a bit pathetic, so I hope that um, <laughs> they stick around and, and keep making mistakes. Rossi? 
Oh, they're so bad. But that's the whole reason we want to watch them longer is because they suck. Um, it'd be interesting to see if they could pull out of this slump, but I don't think they're long for it. And I wish that they were kind of better because I feel like we'd get a little more personality out of them. Like, I know we've gotten quite a bit, but I think it could be more if they were actually, like, in a comfortable position in the race. Uh, next up, Courtney and Adam. So... They're really struggling, and we all predicted them right at the top. Uh, oh. <laughs> uh, other than them just kind of being that nauseating, very affectionate couple, um, I got nothing really to add on them there. They're, they're your generic, young, fit, attractive couple, uh, except this time they're first responders, or at least one of them is. Um, Jared? First and fourth responders. <laughs> first and fourth responders. Oh, um, yeah, I think my comments are all the same. You know, in my notes, like, every time they come up, it's just, like, too much public display of affection. Um, yes. I think that's all, all that I've written about them. I mean, I suppose they're just um, making sure that they're um, keeping up to date with their CPR practice while they're on the race. <laughs> um, but, yeah, just every time they come on, I'm just like, no, cut away, please, my eyes. Um, so hopefully we get less of that moving forward. Rossi? Yeah, I was like, can they stop? Like, I was okay with it at first. I was like, okay, that's normal. They're the young, they're probably like new, somewhat newish dating, like not 10 years dating, like they're newer. So I was like, it's fine. But then they were like, we put the tent together, a smooch. And I was just like, yeah. that's not a smooch worthy <laughs> moment. Like, it, it was I paid really... the cab driver. <laughs> <laughs> I found the clue box. Like, <laughs> I got the beaver. <laughs> it was just too much, and I just want that to stop. Um, we we quit the detour. <laughs> like, <laughs> it, was, it was too much. But, uh, I mean, I think they can beast challenges, so I don't think I'm too worried about them doing bad on Although I was very worried when they got the last place edit in the first episode, and I was like, "Am I going to lose my winners already?" Yeah. I was well, like, I mean, "Are you kidding me?" Just looking at this because we'll we'll talk about Martina and Phil next if we have anything else to add. I mean, other, other than the fact of just saying that they're amazing, or Martina especially, especially is amazing here. I got nothing to add. Uh, other than the fact that how ashamed should Joseph and Cash and Courtney and Adam be that two weeks in a row Martina and Phil have beaten them? Uh, <laughs> We have the basically the same three bottom teams here, um, uh, you know, little bit of shakeups here, or, or sorry, these two like Joseph and Cash and Courtney and Adam, and then Martina and Phil. I mean, these three teams are back to back to back three weeks in a row. Uh, anything else you want to add on Martina and Phil, Jared? Um, I, I don't think I can add anything else. Uh, Martina is amazing, um, and I think even Phil, like he's not terrible like martina takes the spotlight and she's an amazing character but it's not like she's with somebody who is who has no personality is deadpan mm-hmm. so i think that they do there is kind of that play off one another um so i don't know i just love them and, and i would love for them to somehow uh, make it far but you just get the feeling that there's just going to be a tough physical challenge that's going to knock them down at some point rossi i'm calling it now guaranteed lock for all-star edition Oh yeah, <laughs> hands <100%. down. laughs> They're my first pick. I don't care about anyone else. They are my first. They are amazing. They should stay. Like Phil is good. Martina's great. Like 
entertainment about and they're not horrific like they're not like they what i picture them being is the joseph and cash team mm-hmm. and they're not they're like doing pretty fair like yeah they're not amazing but they're not awful and i'm loving uh dylan and kwame uh, i already mentioned i think that they're they're developing into a really entertaining team uh even if it is just for their their boobish moments uh, <laughs> I thought this was interesting that Kwame actually is a former CFL player. I'm not sure exactly who he played for. I couldn't find it right now. Uh, but uh, they're definitely one of these ones where they're like heroes edition and athlete is a hero, I guess. But they're promoting them as football coaches as heroes, which is weird. But still, I mean, I, I think that they're going to be one of the more entertaining teams on here. I don't know if they're going to become an all-star team, but they're entertaining at least. Jared? Yeah, I agree. I think they're good fun. Um, I do worry about old, like, the the greeters and the people running the challenges because their celebrations are so over the top like the, the tent lady got tackled by like Kwame this week and I'm just waiting for one of these people to get seriously injured because every celebration is like that kind of like bro like football celebration <laughs> that I'm just like you're gonna kill somebody at some point just like calm it down a little but I think they're they're, they're great they're good to watch mm-hmm. Rossi I'm surprised at how much personality they have like I wasn't expecting this much energy from them I was a little worried because I was thinking of the um the team that came the bodybuilding team you know the athletic fit team for last season Mm -hmm. and I was like they sucked these guys are gonna (laughs) suck and they're not um they're they're quite interesting and I'm actually curious to see how far they go um and in reference to what Jared said, there was a funny moment in the poker, or not poker, blackjack thing where he did, or Dylan did it by himself, like to himself in the chair. And I thought that was just too funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, Leanne and Mar. Okay, so this is what I've been waiting for here. Not that we have that much to talk about in this episode, but I've made it very clear on not just this, but Survivor and many other reality shows we talk about. The one thing I hate more than anything was people say, people are going to underestimate me because of this. Like, I hate, hate, hate that. They said it, and I hated it. And then they came in first, and I looked at my predictions, and I looked at your (laughs) predictions, and I looked at your predictions, and I'm like, okay, this time, fair enough. Like, this is the one team that could be like, people are going to underestimate. Grant, you've got us. I definitely underestimated them as a team. First place in the first leg, you could say it was a fluke. Fourth place in this leg. I mean, they're like real competitive team. I think it's hilarious that when they introduced them, they said, you know, they're cheerleaders, but then they show that they do all these charity things, which none of the publicity has been about that. It's like they were cheerleaders for the Grey Cup winning team last year, and that's what makes them heroes. And cheerleaders as heroes, that's great still for me. But yes, completely fair. I totally underestimated them. I assumed these are the two cheerleader girls. Normally, those teams come in like uh, uh, ninth, tenth, eleventh place. I think the only exception was, uh, I think Tiffany and Krista, whichever season that was, uh, in Amazing Race US. They end up coming fourth, but they came in fourth, and we were kind of laughing every single week, saying this should not be happening. So uh, I have a different reaction to Leanne and Mar at this point. Uh, I'm not finding like you know I'm laughing as in like oh it's hilarious they came in first. It's like well they're like a real contender team. So I I actually think that they're pretty good so far. Yeah, they've definitely impressed me a lot more than than I thought they would. Um, I think there was a kind of a weird moment this past episode where in the dancing challenge and Leanne is like, I don't dance, so I'm just a promotional tri- cheerleader. I'm like, I didn't even know like 
that there were different types of I know. Like, what is, <laughs> what is happening here? She, I was like, she doesn't dance? What? So that whole thing confused me. Um, and they've, they've done the reverse. It's normally like ex-reality stars join like anti-bullying charities and get on that yeah. bandwagon, but they flipped <laughs> it around and, and they were there before they were on reality TV. So good for them. Yeah, they're, they're ahead of the game here. Uh, Rossi? You know, going in, like, I didn't put them high. I was this close to putting them in 10th. <laughs> and part of me, after looking at them and I was thinking, yeah, there's, like, some weird thing where they were strong. Like, I was getting this weird, Jared will get the connection, but, like, weird connections to Michelle and Joe from the Australian series. Because they were cheerleaders and they were they did really well. And I was like, mm-hmm. okay, maybe they're going to do okay. So I ranked them higher. And still, I was kind of surprised how well they did. Granted, there was a challenge that was in their favor, a dancing challenge. Granted, they didn't have to do ridiculous things like jumping off the cliff wasn't ridiculously challenging. And navigating wasn't ridiculously hard to find coins. So I'm curious to see how a really tough challenge would go for them. But on the whole, like, really strong team. And I was really, I'm really impressed. I wish they had more personality, though. Uh here's a team I wish had more personality Taylor and Courtney <laughs> I'm struggling to even picture their faces right now um, they're the RCMP officers I remember seeing their promo video I remember seeing their profile preseason I couldn't tell you one thing that they did on either of these episodes uh, Jared am I missing anything no I don't think you've missed anything I think I just like them because like they're the sibling team and that's was always like my dream to be like a sibling team and like the amazing race so i think no matter how bland or boring or non-content like a sibling team gets i'm just go for them anyway i think they did have some fun moments at the dancing challenge i think that was surprising how like taylor kind of excelled in that at that and really got into it and it was more so courtney who was struggling um so yeah i think there's potential for them moving forward to become more interesting just a sidebar here along those lines uh Rossi, if you were to ever go on Amazing Race, what would be like your dream? Not not pick one person you know, but what would be your dream combination? What type of team would you want to go on the Amazing Race as? Um, volunteers and anti-bullying coaches <laughs> and <laughs> first and fourth responders. See, for me, I'm kind of with Jared. Like, I've gone as a sibling team. My brother and I have always said, if we could ever get on the Amazing Race, we would. It's just as soon as it came time for us to be able to audition for one, he kept saying, oh, you know, I really can't take the time away. But uh, I, I feel like I could get cast instantly with my brother. Uh, I could get cast with Jamie, too. Is just It has been a five-year battle to get her to audition, which we still have not done. I shot part of an audition video once as we were running through an airport. I'm like, I'm going to use this from the Amazing Race Canada. Uh, but... Uh, no, she, we would be chipping Kim. I mean, <laughs> it would be her saying, you got this one, Colin. I don't care. I know that the rules are you have to put them 50-50. I'm breaking the rules. We'll take the penalty. <laughs> uh, Taylor and Courtney, there we go. That's all we have to say. Nancy and Melissa, hello, again, not much. Hello. Oh, wait, you want to talk about Taylor and Courtney? Yes. Okay, well, I just assumed you had... Jared gave me more than I expected, so come on, tell me where I'm wrong. I agree. They were the least interesting team, but as as soon as they got to the dance challenge, they were like, like totally different people than I saw in the first few episodes. Like I thought they were kind of rude and like kind of bitchy. And all of a sudden they get to the challenge and they're like 
going crazy. Taylor is so into it. He loves the outfit. He's just like, I just fell in love with him then. I hope that we get more of that than what we've been getting in like every other challenge, every other moment. I hope that their personality goes up because I really love them at that dance challenge. They were really fun. Uh, again, I kind of assumed, especially when they said, for now we're moving on to Nancy and Melissa here, uh, oh, hey, we only met a couple of times. And they said that in episode one. I'm like, okay, well, they wanted Melissa Hollingsworth on here. And she said, here's a girl that I can get on with. But I actually think in some ways Nancy maybe has a little more personality than Melissa, uh, which as an athlete, I always thought Melissa seemed like she had a ton of personality and maybe she's just, she hasn't come into her own. Uh, an interesting thing about her is that she's, uh, I guess if you look at her online, she's a huge spokesperson for this whole rodeo stampede thing she does. Like the Calgary stampede is a huge thing here in Canada and that's going on right now. And over the last two weeks, uh, she probably posts about six or seven things a day online all about the Calgary Stampede as she's interviewing people there and everything. And maybe once a week she'll put out a, hey, another episode of Amazing Race Canada last night. Hope you enjoyed. <laughs> so I don't even know if she's really that interested in this. I mean, I'm hoping she is so we can get more of her because she's part of the reason I got excited about this season. But I don't know. Maybe Nancy's a bit more of a star for me right now. Uh, Jared, uh, what do you think about them? Yeah, I think they have kind of exceeded my expectations. I did think they were just going to be boring from watching their like morning show interview. There wasn't a whole lot going on. Uh, but they've definitely surprised me in terms of, yeah, Nancy's personality. I roll my eyes every time they say that they've only just met, but like secretly <laughs> I love it. Um, so I hope they keep bringing that up. And just, yeah, I just think they're a really fun team. Um, it, again, it's the barrel races are over-represented in reality TV thing yeah. that just kind of gets me and I love it. Rossi? I don't think I even still know what a barrel racer is, and despite having <laughs> so many. Um, that's a side note. Um, I totally agree. I, I, you know, Melissa's the bigger person that, you know, Canadians and people know, and I was like, okay, I'll, I'll get on board, and then Nancy's the star, and it's just like, she's a lot funnier, she's got quirks, so it was like that moment where you, Melissa was saying, you know, you say something really aggressive things, but you follow up with honey, so I love it. Yeah. <laughs> moments like that that are like okay where's nancy why is she the star of this team mm -hmm. and so she's just a lot of fun and i'm glad that she's there at least and i wasn't too worried about the not meeting because we had an entire season of that in the united states so yeah um it, todd and anna all i'm gonna say is i i can't wait for the end of the season when we have todd advocate athlete gambler <laughs> hero cheerleader and the amazing race canada <laughs> so that's going to be the official title according to john montgomery uh nothing else sponsored to add on by here. ctv sponsored by ctv <laughs> big ctv logo on his forehead from this day forward uh I, I think that they're way more entertaining than i thought and uh talk about underestimating team i think again it's it's you know, it's the whole survivor thing, like, oh, well, he's uh, a cancer survivor or whatever, and, you know, he spent half his life in a hospital bed. You're going to assume that this is going to be the guy where they finish third last, and uh, as in, like, the third, you know, the ninth place team or eighth place team or whatever. Uh, and it's like, hey, it's amazing that you even got on the show, let alone beat two other teams. But, like, I wouldn't be surprised if they're in our finals at this point. Uh, and,. I, I do think it's a little bit funny though. Like, you know, this is Amazing Race Heroes, and they're they're trying really hard to make sure that all these teams are together. 
Uh, you know, he's a hero because he's a survivor. He's an advocate for whatever. I don't know. Um, she's a hero because she dates him apparently because they've done nothing to tell you anything about her. Yeah, that's definitely true. Um, I would agree. I think that they've done better than I expected. And I like the fact, which I think is kind of consistent across Canadian Amazing Race seasons, that they don't dwell on people's stories too much. Like, they bring up that he's a cancer survivor. Um, I mean, they probably brought it up in both episodes. But if you could imagine on some other show, this would be brought up, like, at every possible chance. Like, every time they do a challenge, every time they accomplish something, like, they would bring it up. But I just like the fact that it's there, it's part of the story, it's been mentioned but it's not like uh in your face and, and over the top bringing it up constantly mm-hmm. uh, um we've kind of wrapped on all the teams here uh so we have to rate these Except episodes me. now oh yeah sorry rossi <laughs> this is what you get for being the villain of the podcast <laughs> uh rossi todd and anna what else do you want to add um we totally underestimated them even though they didn't tell us that we were gonna yeah. underestimate them <laughs> um Okay, I just have my minor complaint about Todd is that he high-fives too much. Does he? His natural response is to high-five. So everything, like, the person's like, you got the clue, and, like, there's this person holding a clue, and they'll be, like, high-fiving. And it's just like, um, there's this person waiting for you, and they just high-five to everything. Watch it. Like, I think it's it, he does it all the time. He'll initiate a high-five. And there was that scene where they got the express pass, and he had his hand out, and she was walking away, and he's like, hello, hello. It's just, it bugged me. It's like the making out, just stop. <laughs> I think it, it's it's just building up to that final task, isn't it? Like, each team will have their thing, like, Todd and Anna, how many times did you high-five throughout the race? <laughs> Courtney and Adam, how many times did you smooch throughout the race? And that's kind of their final challenge to remember how many times it happened. I, I thought you were I thought you were going with that, was it, you know, we, what we talk about the ringer challenges. You know, well, oh, I can't wait until there's a skeleton challenge or a barrel rolling challenge. Oh, it's like when we that. get to episode five and there's a kissing challenge or a high fiving challenge, we know it's all rigged. Agreed. Agreed. Okay. Uh, yeah, let's rate these episodes here. So we'll do them separately. Um, episode one, uh, Jared, why don't you start us off? Are you going to buy it, rent it, or bin it? Um, I think the first episode, I would rent it. I think it was okay, but it wasn't anything amazing. Rossi? I'm actually going to buy the first one because I was like, you know, maybe the challenges weren't the best, but I really enjoyed it and I loved all the swapping, so I'm going to buy it. I'm going to go with Jared. I'm going to rent it. Um, I don't think it was, like, the strongest, but I think it's it's your typical Amazing Race Canada Season 1 episode, so I still enjoyed it. Uh, episode 2, I'm sorry to say, especially after... You know, discussing this episode, I'm probably going to bin this one. Uh, Jared, what are you going to do with it? I'm going to buy it, just because I think that there were <laughs> lots of kind of little moments in this episode that I think could be interesting on the rewatch, and just for the fake accent from Montana, I think it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's worth that money. Rossi? Um, can I, eat like Martina, donate it to someone? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we got to donate it. <laughs> I'm going to just donate it. I don't want to necessarily... I'll buy it, and then I'll just donate it. So, like, <laughs> I've put money towards it, but I don't want it because I didn't like it. So I'm going to donate it. I'm going to see if we can officially get that one entered. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, <laughs> so we've covered... <laughs> What's that? 
if I, if you can't donate it, I'll bin it. Okay, so we have a donate or bin from Rossi. But if, if you bin it, make sure you recycle it properly so you can be That's a right. true hero. <laughs> I'm going to put it in the fire. <laughs> uh, did anybody hear that season in the background? If you didn't, I'll increase the audio on the final limited episode. It wouldn't be Amazing Race Canada without Jamie sneezing in the background. Uh, we're all out of time here today, so uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, maybe earlier after the episode airs. Maybe we'll have polls back. Who knows? Uh, episode 3 is we're probably going to be somewhere else in Canada. Because uh, I don't remember what the preview was, but I don't think it was overseas yet. Uh, Jared, thank you for coming back. And uh, hopefully we'll have you for the whole season. If we can tear you away from your competitive career as a barrel roller. Thank you. It's been fun to be back. And I hope everybody's taking their uh, dailies if, if they can find them. And Rossi, uh, thank you for being the cheerleader, the villain, and the first, second, third, and fourth responder on this episode. Yeah, no, it's good to start talking about Canada again. Um, I look forward to chatting about the eventual face-off we're going to get. Yes. Um, we have to also eventually do like a cast. But by the end of this, we need to put together our own cast for All-Stars because... I'm honestly suspecting that that's the next thing they're going to do. There's already been like some interviews out there with John Montgomery talking about possibly an All-Stars, which to me just feels exactly like what uh, you know, happened with Jeff Probst before they did All-Stars for Survivor. But uh, I'm guessing that's coming next. Um, but uh, we're still a ways away from that. We got eight more episodes, I think, to go with this. How many do we have in total? Does it show here? No, it doesn't. I'm going to call it eight episodes. Uh, episode three coming up next week is Sounds Like a Wild Boar. Uh, or a fiddler's fart. I can't tell which one it sounds like. <laughs> but we'll be back next week to talk about that. Uh, other episodes coming up uh, you can look forward to. Just the regular Lost, Nip Tuck, and Third Watch coverage from Ben. And Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol, which we're a few days behind on. We're up to Ghost Protocol, my favorite Mission Impossible movie, one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, you have to listen to our Mission Impossible episodes we got because uh, that's coming soon and then maybe something fun for August that Rossi and I possibly are planning but uh, stay tuned for more on that uh, my name is Colin and I too am a hero for reasons I'm and I'm sweating my balls off thank you for listening to the Oz Network don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week for more information hit us up at theoznetwork.net